0: Welcome to the last SNL recap podcast of the first tranche of Saturday Night Lives. I'm Rich Tackenberg, your host. And before I bring Mike into the conversation, I wanted to start today a little bit with a thought, but more of a question and a question that I want to put out to the community that maybe we can talk about in the next couple of weeks that we have off uh, both on Twitter and on our webpage on PostShowRecaps.com on the Saturday Night Live feed, which is this. As most people know, I'm based in Los Angeles. And at the end of last season, and now all of this season after... 30 plus years of watching the show, 24 watching in Los Angeles. My dream has come true in that we can now out here watch the show at 830 live with the rest of the country. And as a man who has grown old with Saturday Night Live, I am closer in age to Lauren Michaels than I am to Pete Davidson. It is much more enjoyable to watch the show at 830 and be wrapped at 10. With that said, here's the question I want to pose to the West Coast listeners of this podcast which is this. Are we watching a fundamentally different show than we were watching last year? And by that I mean, of course, the show hasn't changed, but is it a fundamentally different show when we're watching it at 830 PM instead of eleven thirty PM? And really not as much the eight thirty part of the show, but more when we get to like weekend update. You know, I wake up every Saturday morning probably around six, seven AM. So by the time we get to weekend update, I've been up eight plus hours when I'm watching it at 1130 and I am tired and I'm punchy and sometimes I have less uh, latitude for dumb things that are only half working, but sometimes I'm just in that late night punchy mode. And now at 830, my wife and I are watching the show and we've just eaten dinner. We're refreshed. We're relaxed. And in some ways, I think I'm giving the show a little bit more rope. But in other ways, I feel like I don't have that same sort of goofball, punchy sort of mentality that I wonder if I'm giving certain sketches less rope. So I'm going to leave it there. But let's talk about that this week and next week while we're off, because I'd love to hear what other people are experiencing. It's a very different sort of experience for me, and I imagine, for others. But what is not different is the SNL podcast. We're going to talk about last night's episode. And I would be remiss if I even attempted to do it without the great East Coast based mr mike bloom hello mike
1: is that you rich are you on speakerphone i, I don't know <laughs> who this is
0: i said that i would call in as you didn't have the cake that i made for you did you mike
1: Uh, Yes, Uh, I mean, I I don't want to go into anything that might be shared, uh, both uh, fictional and truthful between those who podcast, but happy to be here as always, Rich, uh, for, as you said, the third episode in a row of SNL 43. And as it turns out, the last October episode of SNL, we got a brief little call out to Halloween this episode, but it appears uh, no David S. Pumpkin's a uh, real re recurrence or any sort of, uh, homage to Halloween outside of, of course, the David S pumpkins special <laughs> that is soon to be coming. Yeah.
0: Let's save that one for the end. What do we think of the upcoming David S pumpkins animated special? I, uh, I, I have a, a two word pre review. I won't spoil it, but I'll give you a hint. One of the words is boy. So let's save that <laughs> for when we get there, but we're going to jump into our, our third episode, Kumail Nanjiani musical guest, pink, um, as always let's set the table for a minute uh you know i i want to get sort of thoughts mike starting with you what was your just sort of general thought on this episode
1: so going back to my always correct never wrong power rankings of the episodes safe to say uh pretty much goes three one two at this point kumail nanjiani ryan gosling gal gadot at the bottom uh that being said uh, I did enjoy this episode, obviously, more than the other two. I mean, there's a reason why I always get excited for comedians to come onto SNL, not just because I'm a comedy nerd, but because this is their bread and butter to go out in front of a live audience and make people laugh. It's not, let's take action star or unnamed athlete or someone else and. You know try to make them do funny things this is really what they're apt to do as a result overall I really do feel like Kamail delivered uh, in any in every way that he could did the material necessarily rise to meet that performance I'm not entirely sure but there were still some things that I really enjoyed overall I'd say pretty good uh, To to you know. Paraphrase our upcoming host. Pretty, pretty, pretty good. Yeah,
0: I, it's funny. I, I, I definitely liked this episode a lot, and it was interesting that this for me was an exercise in when you're writing a live TV show in six days. There were some sketches that had very clear and clean premises, but the actual execution was a little wonky. And there were other times where the execution was really fun, but the premise was a little bit muddy. So. So I don't know that we had any home run sketches in this show, but every sketch gave me something to laugh about. Every sketch had some real funny in it. Uh, And so I I thought it was overall a a solid episode. Um, And we'll jump in uh, with the cold open, which it's funny. I, I, you know, I, I, for me, I really turned the corner on the Trump where, as we said, originally last season when Baldwin came on, everything they did was so crazy because it was Alec Baldwin as Trump, which was just insane. Uh, And then after a while, I think even coming to the season premiere of this year, I started to sort of go like, oh, well, now it's just a given that Alec Baldwin's here. It's not special. It's not fun. So it sort of was losing a little bit of the luster. And now I'm just coming around again to uh, not having any big expectations about Alec Baldwin. I thought this was one of the most well-written cold opens we've had in a long time, including a couple of jokes that I thought were really really strong that just didn't connect with the audience at all. Um I certainly was not perfect, but I i had a lot of fun with us
1: Uh you are definitely higher on this than I am. I will definitely say this was a Saturday live night live cold open about Donald Trump starring Alec Baldwin. Uh I think you are sort of poking uh at some more Nouveau concepts that the sketch may have brought in and we can certainly talk about that, but I don't want to parrot too much about what I talked about a couple of weeks ago, but I don't know. For me, this feels like more of the same. I mean, I, I feel like when Baldwin came out, he did sort of tell jokes, but mostly just sort of felt like, OK, here's what Donald Trump talked about in the past couple of weeks, which granted, there are some things to talk about in terms of that. But I wasn't sure outside of the one recurring bit that existed outside of Trump that we can definitely get to, which uh, was probably the most exciting part of it for me. I just think they're they're still having trouble how uh, to figure out this character while trying to make it exciting. I mean, I feel like and your perception might differ here, but I feel like even when Baldwin came out, the response from the audience was pretty tepid. And I yeah. think it's just a sign of, hey, this isn't a big, uh, exciting concept anymore. It's just sort of like, OK, this is par for the course uh, in both writing and the actual appearance itself.
0: Yeah. Well, yeah. Now it's basically just like, okay, it's the SNL cast member, Alec Baldwin coming out to start the show. There's nothing inherently exciting about that. I'll say this, some of the writing that I I really liked here, because obviously I liked this sort of the layered, as you said, it's a bunch of stuff, but uh, of sort of what's happened in the last, I would call it two weeks because we didn't have Alec Baldwin last week, but instead of what we often, and getting a cold open of just we're going to go through bit. OK, here's our chunk on this topic. Here's a chunk. The way that they wove things in, I thought, was really fun. Uh, you know, it's ostensibly about the tax plan. There was just so many little it, it, here is to me the, the my favorite thing that sort of gives you a sense of it is we're in the Mike Pence beat uh, in, uh, you know, the idea that, OK, Mike Pence has to leave everything he goes to, which I thought was very funny when they're at Starbucks and he and Trump asks him about what's on the cup and uh, and they're sort of calling out so. Now we're, we're starting with the idea of, you know, the people taking a knee. Now we're at Starbucks. And he just said, you know, Trump says something about like the, the every all year round, they should just say that the car, the, the cups should just say Merry Christmas and have an image of me as Santa Claus giving coal because coal is the future of this country. I just thought, bam, bam, bam. I just I really liked that they sort of threw that in, which is like and the the way that they sort of wove a couple of those things together, I thought was really nice.
1: See, that's what. In a perfect world, I don't want to, you know, backseat comedy right here, but that to me is the much more compelling cold open is if they do Mike Pence and his wife, who I like the little uh, the little Easter egg there where he says his mother and I are yes. here. Uh, but to just see a beleaguered Mike Pence going to all these things and then suddenly, you know, receiving word from his boss to say, oh, no, no, you need to get out of there. I thought that was by far my favorite part of it, maybe just because it, 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 as you said, sort of spice things up and kind of cut away just from Trump at the press conference. And it was, you know, going into the uh, the minutia of the UCB Herald of it all. It was a perfect like first beat, second beat third beat in terms of moving that game along from an analogous perspective uh what uh, what the one thing i will nitpick and it's a very very small nitpick is that i thought it would have been funny if as you said you know they start at the pacers game then they go to starbucks and then they end at a wedding considering uh mike pence's belief system i thought it would have been funny if he was sitting at the wedding and, you know, you had Trump on the phone saying like, well, it seems like everything's fine. Then Pence says, oh, no, that's another man at the altar. I'm going to go. I'm, I'm calling an audible here and then get out. I, I feel like right. that could have been a stronger way to end that bit. But for me, maybe just because, again, it was sort of a livening up that energy and cutting away to something else. That was the strongest part of this sketch. I, you know,
0: and I I love the sketch and I I, like you, I won't uh, I won't pretend that I'm a better writer than or even on the same level as as the team at SNL. But I it's funny because when we got to the wedding because of the first beat, second beat, it was so obvious that the third beat was going to be another groom. I was so hoping that he was going to say, oh, my God, it's a priest and a rabbi, because then that would have put Trump in the awkward situation of, oh, that happened to his own uh, daughter. Now what does he do? And it wouldn't have been just the sort of, you know, beat, beat, beat. Um, but before we walk away, I just wanted to say th- like three things that I just thought did not get it. One thing that I did get right, we we're talking about Eminem freestyle rapping, and he talked about him being on the BET network, which I thought was fantastic. But there were two jokes that just got completely lost, which I thought was great. They were talking about uh, one of the pieces that I did not think was necessarily great, uh, the Bob Corker which I didn't actually think was particularly great, but at one point Trump says, "I hate doing small jokes, but I have to because I'm the president." I thought that was so fun. Uh, and the other thing that I loved is when uh, when he when he's yelling at Mike Pence to get out of the wedding, he says, "I know you hate this word, but abort, abort, abort." I thought that was <laughs> so so cute. So again, I liked it more than you. I think, but in general, we're all sort of on the same page. Um, so let's let's move on. We get to the monologue and as you said uh one of the great things about having stand-up comedians host snl is instead of a tepid weird thrown together uh monologue we're gonna get a strong eight minutes uh, i gotta say out of the gate Camel manjani looking great in a suit boy he mm-hmm. rocked that suit i've i've never seen him without a hoodie on i thought he looked uh, really good um and I'll say this. I have always liked Kumail and Johnny. I like him as a stand-up. I love him as an off the cuff personality on podcasts and on shows where he's being himself. Um, so for this, I was going in with a, like, oh, I'm interested, but I'm not super excited. Uh, I thought he did a really nice job here. And what I will say is I, I would always, these days in 2017, rather see a comedian go more edgy and do interesting material like Chappelle did or Louis CK then a comedian do a very safe but very solid set. Like let's say a Kevin Hart, who killed, but was doing a very safe set when he hosted. I like that we're talking about racism and Islamophobia and uh, you know, and being an informed racist and women not driving. I felt like it really kept me on my feet, really interested to see where he was gonna go. I thought there was a lot of good here.
1: I would say that I think. The audience might have grown more accustomed to him. I feel like uh, the confidence from both sides sort of built as the uh, as the stand-up went along. Because I felt like maybe it was because it was sort of carrying over from this first cold open where, again, it seemed like the audience might not have been particularly on board with what was going on. And then you have Kamel can come out and he starts talking about, you know, the response to his movie and, the, you know, his family's history. And the audience is, you know, lapping along pretty well. But I feel like he really hits this fever pitch, as you said, once it gets into the Islamophobia and he talks about, you know, the, the, in the Quran they don't let women drive. I feel like he... Kamal does his best comedy when he really goes into these weird sort of particulars and talks them out, really breaks them down. And he does that here with the Quran and the women driving cars, and it absolutely kills. I feel like he really built to a a fantastic fervor by the end of it that, as you said, really reminds me why I love having stand-ups do monologues. Is because you're essentially watching eight minutes of stand-up comedy, and here I thought he did a fantastic job.
0: Yeah, I, I think you're right in that he hits when he's very well rehearsed and it's a solid bit. Also, interesting that, you know, for a first time stand up comedian host, he did not come out uh, to or with a wireless microphone. One of the mm. things you see with a lot of stand up comedians who are doing it the first time, even though clearly they don't need to hold a mic, it is such part of their being that you don't see a Louis C.K. or someone come out without a microphone until their second or third time. I wonder if that was a little bit of the awkwardness of Kamel not actually holding a microphone and then getting more comfortable when he got into it but anyway really good stuff i think the most important thing we learned is an informed racist is a better racist so
1: uh such a such a such a great way to end such like a great yes. little ender to it all but let's get into the first major sketch of the night rich can you believe in snl season 43 it has taken us two complete episodes before we get our first ever game show of the season it is
0: amazing I you know the the most out-of-date format that I have lovingly railed against in the world Um, you know this is you know this is fun I will also say what I love about now that we're in season 43 of the show is we're in an episode you know we're, we're in our first live sketch with a host that is a minority and the sketch has nothing to do with the fact that the host is a minority which I just loved that it was just this could have been anybody, the fact that he's minority means nothing. It's really a sketch about a guy who wants money to buy uh, jackets and jeans, and he's up against a woman who needs uh, money for her daughter's surgery. Um, I liked this. Uh, this is one of the sketches I was thinking of where I thought the premise of the sketch was very, very clear, like how how on a game show are you supposed to sort of compete against your your, uh, you know, the other person. When And they clearly need the money more than you. I think that it was it was a little bit of weird pieces here and there because the actual because we had to learn about the playing of the game. So it was a little bit unclear to me sort of as we were going. But within that, a lot of fun stuff.
1: I like what SNL has been doing with their game shows, as you said Uh, Even though they do exist nowadays, it does feel like a little bit of an antiquated well to keep going back to. But I like the the way that they're sort of taking on the well and that, it seems like they're no longer making it about the show itself. The game and the weird thing is about what happens with the contestants. Uh, one thing that I can think of is in the Woody Harrelson episode a few years ago where it was a dating game show. But the weird thing in the sketch was that the uh, girl who was you know, being interviewed by these prospective suitors was the daughter of the host of the show. That, that's a fun way to sort of play on that form. And you get it here as well, where, again, the weird thing isn't about what the game show is it's about what's happening within the game show uh, I found this really fun as well I liked all the different takes they had on this character you know I liked how we sort of hit the beats of let's go into the audience and oh here's Gretchen's you know uh, nearly completely deaf daughter and her husband and then let's go to Paul's roommate who's wearing the uh, akin <laughs> to like an I'm with uh, I'm with stupid shirt pointing to the little girl I liked all the takes on that I liked you know bringing out the robber after she, she talked about how her house House got robbed. I love the little touch where they compare the two jobs. You know, Gretchen is a, a veteran who did uh, several tours in Iraq, and Paul uh, does online advertising for Marlboro cigarettes. And then you have, uh, after he accidentally answers a question right, uh, Mikey Day's host character says, "And Big Tobacco gets the steal." Yeah, uh, I just thought there were a lot of funny little moments in that. I thought it was a really great way to start off the show because it also showed, as I talked about last week, uh, how. Kumel can play outside of his standup, which is he can play, you know, very kind of weird characters where he wasn't exactly the straight man or the crazy man in this sketch, but he definitely had some quirks to him that he wasn't a complete blank slate.
0: Yeah, I like this in that I think there was no uh, crazy person in the sketch. The, it was just the circumstances that created the comedy. And I actually like that there really is no crazy person in the sketch. I, you know, I I agree. I, I love when, as you said, was it big tobacco gets the steel? Uh, you know, I think for me and the, the hard part is there are there are fewer game shows on TV now that sort of have this competitive aspect. But I almost think like if we could have done Jeopardy or some other, you know, deal or no deal or just some sketch where where we as an audience already basically understand the rules of the game show and then see this situation be played out it would have been cleaner but I also understand I don't know what show that there is a most of the game shows that are on today like for Celebrity Family Feud and Pyramid are, are not the same and are a little bit more complicated so but I think we agree sort of a fun sort of out of the gate uh, live piece before we get to our fir- our first uh, pre-tape piece um, which is Kellyanne Conway way is back in a takeoff of uh, Pennywise. I think Kelly Wise, maybe they called her. Um, I have not seen the movie It, uh, but I thought this was certainly a lot of fun.
1: Yeah. So uh, those that might listen to other podcasts, I do know that I am no fan of horror. And what I will say is, A, this sketch genuinely terrified me at points. But B, this was so Well done. And this is, of course, uh, I would put part and parcel with the sketch we saw last year where we had this sort of fatal attraction thing between Kellyanne Conway and Jake Tapper, which at the time actually drew a lot of controversy, not only from supporters of Kellyanne Conway, but actually Jake Tapper himself. I don't believe he was very supportive of it. Uh, No word from what I checked of Anderson Cooper to see how he felt about his portrayal here. I'm certain that, you know, considering the controversy that happened when John Rednitsky played him a couple of years ago, I think he was fine to see uh, alex moffat's portrayal of him here but uh, i watched this with my wife and uh, as soon as she saw the yellow raincoat she knew what was going to happen and as soon as i saw him make his way to the storm drain i knew what was going to happen yeah i mean this is a great showcase as to why kate mckinnon is a two-time emmy winner i yeah. think she did such a fantastic job here of still playing the kellyanne character that she built for herself while at the same time being a genuinely creepy and sort of like Again, I haven't seen the new it, but I've definitely seen some clips of, you know, what I think it was Bill Skarsgård has done with the Pennywise character in terms of the the vocal mannerisms. And I to have her inflect those in there as well. I think they also really luckily benefited from her Kate having played Hillary Clinton before. So you have this sort of moment where much like an it when Pennywise is able to masquerade as other people in order to draw them in. Uh, she does that as Hillary Clinton. There's just there's so many fun moments in here that allows it to, you know, both be a parody of the piece of pop culture that they're at lampooning while at the same time sort of making a statement uh, that they're trying to make about the political climate as well. And I think it really succeeded on both counts.
0: Yeah, uh, this was written, by the way, by Kate McKinnon and two great writers, uh, Ken Sublette and James Anderson, directed by Oz Rodriguez. A really great team. lot to put together, even with effects and sets and everything in six days. Uh, I did love when we see her first in the Pennywise look and uh, Anderson Cooper asked what she did to her makeup. And, and she says she toned it down. I thought that was really funny. <laughs> I thought, uh, yeah, I thought it was really fun. I thought this was going to be my favorite uh, piece of the night. It was not. There was something I liked even more. But boy, out of the gate, a lot of fun, very topical, current mixing. in again, a lot of different current events together where one didn't feel shoehorned into the other. Uh, and it didn't feel like just sort of, a, you know, we're going to just replace X with Y as we do, you know, the movie it with Kellyanne Conway. It felt very organic. And, you know, here's the again in the highest uh Compliment we can give to a parody is both Mike and I did not see the movie that it was parodying, and we both liked it a lot. I can't think of a higher a piece of praise we can give for that.
1: Now, as someone who, because again, I I haven't seen the movie, but I know like some of the images or the memes. Uh, the Kellyanne dancing at the end is actually a pretty meme worthy Pennywise dance that occurs in the movie proper. But not knowing any of that, between that and like the very terrifying, sharp teeth that she uses to bite off Anderson Cooper's arm. What did you feel about the actual horror elements behind it? Because, again, I was genuinely scared of (laughs) some of those moments. And I think, again, that speaks towards Oz's direction as well. And the drum I keep beating about these pre-tapes, which are the fact that from a production level, they are so well done overall
0: yeah I would say uh, yeah I think that you're right I mean it didn't necessarily scare me but I would say for a comedy pre tape shot in let's call it uh, let's guess three days at most I thought they did a very nice job in the in the creep factor and I think that's a that, that's a real testament to these guys uh, I thought this team just did a wonderful wonderful piece on that definitely um, let, let's jump from what I thought was a very clean and easy to follow premise to the office hollow Halloween party, as you said, our one shout out here. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, fun, but I don't think I quite understand what was going on here. How about you? Did you did you have any any luck with this?
1: Are we playing another game for the second week in a row of what was the point of this sketch? Yeah, yes, I'm, I'm not sure how this might have gotten swapped out for one of the post update sketches, which I thought were a little cleaner across the board to this because I don't feel like every sketch necessarily needs to have a premise to it. Like you said, especially considering that this is the third week in a row that they've written, considering the uh, typical SNL turnaround, it's a lot to do. I give the writers all the credit in the world as much as we might sort of poke holes in some of these sketches, but I had a tough time discerning what exactly we were supposed to be laughing at here. Was it the fact that Beck Bennett had a tough time hearing people on the speakerphone? Was it the fact that he inadvertently gave everyone hepatitis A? Was it the various people's reactions to it? I felt like there should have been another part of this sketch after the phone call that just didn't happen that would have, you know, been led to a stronger sketch overall. Other than that, we just sort of got two minutes where I th- said, well, the costumes are fun. And there are a couple of funny lines in here, but I have absolutely no idea what the point of this is.
0: Yeah, I, I'm with you. I couldn't quite tell if the point was going to be, oh, he's uh, like the 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 boss is a bad boss and we're going to find out more and more that he's a bad boss or that you're not allowed to sort of have a reaction to him in some. It, it, I, yeah, it was just it was very confusing to me. I was really I was not sure what we were watching. And then again, within that, uh, it all seemed really fun uh, very obvious that at the end we're going to see uh, you know someone in this case Keenan eating the cake anyway because it's good cake. Um, so yeah, I think we got in a holly we got in a Halloween sketch and uh, and good on them. I don't know that there's anything more to really say here.
1: All right, well let's move on to something that I think we're definitely going to have a lot to talk about the the New York Film Festival Women's Roundtable, the first season appearance of Debet Goldry, one of uh, Kate McKinnon's standout characters, but. Outside of all of this, I feel like we do need to talk about Harvey Weinstein uh, because you and I did not bring it up last week. And actually, right after we recorded, I think only a couple of hours, this uh, New York Times article came to light. SNL had been criticized considering that, you know, the Harvey Weinstein stuff started had started breaking a couple of days before SNL aired. Yet they chose to really say Nothing about it. This report that came out after we recorded last week said that SNL had apparently planned to write a couple of jokes about the situation. They had put it in, whether it was an update or a sketch or somewhere else. Uh, someone had said, you know, an, an unnamed source with SNL had said that it didn't play well at dress rehearsal. Lorne Michaels was on record saying that, you know, he felt the Weinstein thing was, quote unquote, a New York thing. Uh, suffice it to say, it got a lot of criticism Over the course of the week, uh, we're going to this is not the last time we're going to be talking about the incident, but this is really the first time that they mention it outright and dedicate essentially an entire sketch to it. Before we jump into the sketch itself, do you have any feelings about SNL's choice to just not do anything about it during last week's episode?
0: Mike, this is going to surprise you, but I have a strong opinion on this subject. Uh, (laughs) Of course, we are not getting into the horrible reality of what's going on and the revelations and all this stuff. But I think that SNL absolutely made the right choice. One thousand, one thousand, one thousand percent. And here's why if they had done it on Saturday Night Live, I would have found out about this real story via a joke on SNL and it would have so completely pulled me out of the comedy like, wait what? And I would have been online and I would have been Googling and as someone who works in the industry, I can't say that this is shocking news, but it's still a huge story that SNL is if they're going to break a news story, it it I it can't be so big that it's going to pull focus unless it's going to be so big that it has to pull focus. And so I think they made the right call. Let the reality be the reality be. Let let us all find out about it in a sober and real way. And then now on Saturday night, let's take some shots at it in, in here in a funny way. And I think Weekend Update a wonderfully funny way. Um, And and now I, I am not processing the setup line, which is this huge, huge story uh, as I'm hearing about it. So so I think they absolutely made the right call.
1: So I can see where you're coming from, and I can also understand some of the reasons why they chose not to do it outside of what you're talking about in that even Michael Che is going to bring this up in update. It's a very serious topic and it's tough to really joke about that type of stuff. Also, you know, I think the story had started leaking Thursday when really details were a little murky over the course of the past week, we got a huge New Yorker article that really did a deep dive. More and more people have come out against it. It's clearly sort of built to more of a fever pitch. So, You know, there's a there's a reason why a lot of late night hosts weren't doing it as well. I think uh, there might have been a chance. I am no legal counsel, but I think that there might have been something in terms of possibly, you know, libel coming out if they decide to, to make a joke about something that turned out not to be true. But. It's it's tough. I think SNL might have been in a tough situation because they do sort of brand themselves as, you know, quote unquote, equal opportunity offenders. And in not mentioning it whatsoever, what they allowed themselves to do was open themselves up to criticism for for people who say, okay, you're going to go after this person for this. You're going to go after this person for this. But possibly because of. For example, Harvey Weinstein's political leanings or his entertainment connections, you decide not to go after him for now. Again, they're going to make up for it during this week. But that has really plagued SNL discussion for the next week. One disadvantage that this show has over some of the other late night shows is that you have to wait an entire week for SNL to come back around the issue. All the other late night hosts who, as I said, really didn't broach the subject. The beginning of this week, they were really piling it on SNL. Now they're coming in Saturday night and yes, they have a material in droves. But now people are saying a little bit, okay, too little, too late. I think they're also in a little bit of a tough situation where Part of me, and again, maybe this is because I was kind of tepid on the cold open, you know, if we didn't have to have Baldwin in the cold open as Trump, I kind of wonder if starting with this would have been interesting because I was even reading through some social media posts yesterday and people were livid that again, after another week of stuff that they didn't start by mentioning it, that it took all the way to this point in the show to mention it so I, I can understand where some of those people's opinions come from i also don't think lord michaels necessarily made the situation better by giving the excuse that quote unquote it's a new york thing that you know essentially comparing this to like we can't do a sketch about subway dancers because it's a new york thing and only new yorkers will understand i think that sort of uh looks down upon the gravity of the situation as as you mentioned
0: yeah, I hadn't heard the the Lorne thing. I think that's a good point. And you're right. I, the other thing I would say is it is. I, I think it would have made a lot of sense for this sketch to be after the monologue. Although it is a sketch without the host, which is a very again when you get away from the political issues and you just look at the comedy of the show, very atypical to put a sketch without the co- I mean, without the host in. You know, you certainly could have had. Uh, you could have had Kumel play the. Interviewer maybe not made it specifically a women's roundtable, um, but you know I, I, I guess it is what it is. So I, I you know and I, I I let's jump into this sketch I guess specifically because sort of taking it um, you know you know we had just seen Debet Goldrey uh, last May with Melissa McCarthy and I I think in that run I was feeling a little bit like okay I get it um, and when this starts as soon as we see women's roundtable I'm like oh, it's time for Debet Goldry. I love that we're going to sort of go to this issue. And I, in my head, I was like, boy, this could break either way. This could either be mm-hmm. an interesting send up of a bad situation, or it could inadvertently make light of a very real and bad situation. And I felt this was definitely the former. I thought, what a great sort of character to have, uh, to sort of be saying like, oh yeah, it's always been like this and, and have her sort of, uh, sort of painting a crazy picture that suddenly the debet goldry segments don't seem so crazy now that we have these stories about harvey weinstein that we can look back on previous iterations of debet goldry sketches
1: yeah like you said it's a very different game because in previous sketches it was uh these celebrities sort of complaining about their you know the the status and various issues that exist in hollywood today and debet will sort of pipe in and say oh you think that's bad back in this day insert you know 30s Hollywood stereotype here. This is a little bit of a different situation, as you mentioned, because not only is it a more of a serious issue, but like you said, it's a little bit of a different POV from Tibet. I would almost compare it to, you know, when Kathy Ann came on near the end of 2016, or I think it was the beginning of 2017 to talk about, you know, the KKK and all of a sudden this character took on a different point of view. Now, would I say, is this as funny as the previous Tibet Goldry appearances? No, not really. I think Kate still had some, funny lines there you know talking about how uh, she got accosted by harvey weinstein one time hanging upside down from the monkey bars trying to uh, oh, make it look so like great. his genitals are his face uh, i thought that was like a really fun specific uh, i like her talking about you know i had a daughter at least i thought i did before the nuns snatched her away snatched her away they're very quick the thing about these sketches as well is that they usually are very dark but kate's able to really play up the humor on it very interesting turn at the end where uh, she sort of gives this very impassioned speech which I think you know was was moving I don't necessarily know if it was funny which kind of made the sketch kind of end on a, a strange note but I thought it was a very different way to take on the character which you know, if SNL is gonna keep doing this with their recurring characters, I'm game for it if it means we're not gonna get another mad lips.
0: Yeah. I also liked when she when they are talking about the the you know, the whisper system of actresses warning each other, and, and Debet says that in her day they had a code for that, and the code was he raped me, which you could say because once two women were talking to each other, all the men tuned out. I thought that was just really fun. I agree with you also, as I say, the end I didn't quite know, is the audience like, oh, are we sort of pausing on the comedy to make a series? point or are we doing a longer run to set up a bigger joke and then by the end i was like i'm actually not quite sure what that was um Mm -hmm. but overall i thought if i'm gonna see debet goldry yet again this was definitely a more fun and more telling iteration of seeing her
1: all right let's get to the musical guest here rich uh someone that i think you and i probably have the most experience with out of the three musical guests we've had so far fair to say pink performs two numbers what about us, which I know has gotten a lot of radio play the past several months and beautiful trauma overall. What'd you think about pink? Uh,
0: it was great. I mean, you know, I, you know, I was interesting to see she hasn't been on the show in 14 years. This is her third time on. Yeah. last time was 2003, which seems crazy. Um, I thought she sounded great. I thought the songs were really good. Uh, I'm going to talk about pink's drummer when we get to the good nights. So I will put a pin in that Mm. for a second. Uh, I don't understand for, For the life of me, what she was wearing during the second (laughs) song, it seemed like she had stolen some Asian billboard wrapping and then put on bubble wrap or some kind of I don't know what the some kind of weird like uh, comforter pink comforter very very bizarre to me but especially for a song that I felt like was a little bit more serious uh but I thought uh, I thought they was I thought she was great I I, I liked it even watched um watch both of the songs a second time but it was wonderful
1: Yeah, one of the things I always love about Pink is that both in her writing and her performance, she always puts a lot of emotion behind her words. You could tell that like she means each and every word that she puts down on the page. And again, that comes out here. Uh, you know you were talking about her her outfit in the uh, second number which my wife uh, chimed in saying that she was just doing too much I guess this is our fashion correspondent for mm-hmm. the, the show from now on uh, I loved her sort of like corseted like Peter Pan extra look that she had going on in the first song I also loved this actually paired really nicely with the sketch beforehand that I don't know if you noticed this Rich but uh, generally a lot of her band that specifically was highlighted in the first song was mostly female and you have this really yes. nice moment where she stands with her background singers just all with the other just you know belting it out i thought that was a really really cool moment again amidst some really horrifying things that have been happening the past week so yeah pink two thumbs up for me yes absolutely great
0: so let's get to weekend update uh and a typical weekend update in that we uh it's a shorter overall we only have one feature
1: yeah i mean when the first joke comes up and it seems like uh colin always starts out with some sort of trump reference or some sort of trump administration reference or one of the larger issues of the week, like last week with the, uh, with the, uh, the massacre on the Las Vegas Strip. Uh, but when he starts off with an emoji thing, I'm like, OK, where are we going with this? And again, uh, despite criticism that they did not put out any Harvey Weinstein information last week, this week they really made sure that we knew that they're talking about Harvey Weinstein because this was the subject of their first little riff and they were absolutely savage yeah, it. and I I think you know as we talked about before, I think both of these guys are at their best when they're sort of riffing, when they're stringing together jokes instead of just going back and forth about sort of uh, non-related issues. But there's just some really great lines in here. I did love Colin saying you know he doesn't need to go to a rehab; he oh. needs to go to you know a nice room that has seclusion and bars. It's a prison. uh You have Che going in on him saying he looks like chewed bubble gum rolled in cat hair. He also called him a well-dressed skin tag. I thought that was yeah. great. Yeah yeah and then but you know trump is not to be ignored they do then go on on some other stuff that also was sort of addressed in the cold open as well and Shay has another riff about this whole happy holidays thing with with trump supporters i think it was you know uh, you know as i talked about in the past couple weeks they're at their best when they're really fired up you can tell from all ends they were really fired up about this uh, i feel like Che and this might have been going for what i saw on twitter as clapter, and maybe that's sort of like what uh, the end of the new york film festival sketch was going for as well where it's it's not necessarily funny, but it's evoking some sort of response. And here again, you know, Che was really going on the string ending with, you know, you know, I, if I'm saying happy holidays, I actually mean all holidays matter, which, again, really elicited this big reaction from the crowd. And I, the other thing that I really want to mention is uh, Colin's grown worthy joke about the country of niger which was like <laughs> very very touchy going back to your very initial question at the beginning of this podcast uh i would be intrigued to know how that joke plays at like nine o'clock p.m instead of midnight uh because it's a very very racy joke arguably one of the most racy jokes i've heard on update in quite some time considering the implications behind it but chase seems okay so yeah we well, can move and, on and i'll say this you
0: know for me the joke was uh was not that funny because i had already heard this joke joke uh you know during the week by other places yeah. so yeah, was, that's, was, that's, that's another a,
1: yeah. one of those instances where yeah. again snl definitely does not benefit from the fact that it's on after all of these other hosts and now social media has been able to pose their own sort of jokes on this so yeah. you yeah. know maybe that's another reason why the audience grown they saw it in their twitter feeds three days ago yeah i
0: still will say with with michael i thought that he there's so much nice writing here and i just wish we could find a way to change the format slightly like we used to have really with Seth and Amy or other sort of like let's or, you know, Tina Faye was the first to sort of like break sort of the setup joke, setup joke with a little bit of a run. I shouldn't say she's the first. She's the first that I can remember in a while sort of doing a noticeable thing. I feel like we just need to find a better format and structure for Michael, because he had so many good stuff in this bit about how like, you know, how, you know, Trump supporters get offended if we don't say something that they like. But if people say something they don't like, then it's, you know, what about us? And and like all these interesting, thoughtful thoughts. Uh, and, you know, uh, you know, closing with this idea that, you know, if he's saying Merry, he's not saying Merry Christmas, uh, you know, because all holidays matter, uh, which I thought was really great. And And yet this sort of just putting it within a string of jokes format at the desk, I I don't feel like serves him well. And I used to say, I'm not sure if I'm loving Michael Che. Uh, And now I'm coming around to, I think that there's just a slightly different format. We almost need like a sort of Che's minute or something where Mm. we can stop with the, you know, with this, with the images behind him. And it doesn't feel like it's a, you know, joke, 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 and give him some kind of way to sort of let him. Breathe a little bit. I think. I think when Michael gets on these runs, he's better if he can sort of breathe and even comment or add live, you know, sort of uh, reactions to the jokes uh, to sort of get there because there there was a lot of fun here and I don't know if we maximized that.
1: That's a really interesting proposition. I wonder if he could almost play a role akin to what Lewis Black used to do on The Daily Show, where maybe it's Colin and somebody else hosting. And then sort of like what they do with Leslie and Pete, they'll just bring Michael out. And maybe Mike will be on more of a weekly basis than either one of those two. And he just sort of gives his, uh, you know, again, as you said, sort of unstructured rant on things that are going on. Because, yeah, like I said before, He's at his best when he's just going on one log riff and not necessarily saying, oh, let me h- make a joke about the Oreo mystery flavor. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So uh, so we have our one and only feature. We have uh, the you know, the first lady, uh, Donald Trump's first wife, Ivana Trump, uh, who had certainly made headlines this week, reminding us uh, all about her. I think most of us had forgotten about her. Uh, and this is more importantly, the first time we see Cecily Strong come on in a weekend update feature this season and in, in a bit. And. And I was so just just so happy to have her back. Uh, no disrespect to Kate McKinnon, who's been killing it. But, you know, it's become sort of the Kate show. And I think Cecily Strong is fantastic here. The material doesn't always support her. Sometimes it does. Sometimes it doesn't. But in general, I thought uh, it was it was a lot of fun.
1: I, I don't know what the joke was supposed to be here rich i was very yes, i was ge- I, I was genuinely confused i think if your core concept of this appearance is that she makes jokes that's very flimsy now i do agree with you in that i'm very happy we saw cecily strong this in general was a very cecily strong heavy episode which makes me happy because i do feel like uh you know since the uh, general pop culture mass has kind of embraced your kate mckinnons and your leslie jones i do feel like cecily who's someone who has been putting in her work for a while at this point and does fantastic stuff in my opinion has sort of been left in the dust in that regard i'm happy that she really got this episode in particular to showcase not only her myriad accents but also a wide variety as well i thought it was fun to see her here as you said but i just i'm I'm still not sure exactly what the point of the character was outside of we're going to bring in this person because, you know, they're prominent in the news and then we're going to watch her try to eat, you know, Ferrero Rocher <laughs> chocolate and try to, and, you know, break as she tries to, you know, marble mouth her way through her lines.
0: Yeah. similar to what, you know, uh, relating to what I said uh, at the beginning of, of the podcast, this definitely felt like a a very unclear and muddy premise that was saved by a great performance. Uh, by the way, uh, this is a trivia question that I don't know the answer to. I wonder if this is the first time we've ever had a Saturday Night Live actress or, or actor, for that matter, in one episode play the ex-wife of a pop culture famous sort of icon and the wife of that same person in one episode. I thought it was very, yeah, I, I wanted her to play uh, Marla Maples in the uh, Good Nights just to sort of do a a hat trick of Trump, uh, you know, women. I thought that was very interesting.
1: Yeah, I can't say can't say how often that happens on SNL, but she might as well be the first one. Uh, yeah. l- let's yeah. jump yeah. off we'll and call. Yeah, yeah, we'll jump into our post update lineup here. We start with the hotel check in. Rich, what do you think about this?
0: you know what? I started off mixed on it because I was very confused. We have Mikey day is returning. He's just been extracted from North Korea. And so now we've got in my head, I'm like, okay, my comedy brain is sort of, is sort of going, okay, North Korea jokes, the military, blah, 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 blah. And really all it is, is a very well done sketch about the person who more than anyone else in the world just wants to relax. And we've got the over enthusiastic front desk clerk, uh, who's just, you know, uh, you know, you know, making this guy's life miserable. So once I sort of knew to let go of the initial premise that I think maybe wasn't so smartly set up about the fact that this guy had just been in North Korea and just live in this idea of, uh, you know, just, you know, the, the beleaguered person who just wants to break. I thought there was a lot of fun here and I, and I found myself really, really enjoying Kumail as, as, as the, the front desk guy.
1: Yeah, these next three sketches, I'll just sort of copy and paste the same response to them in that Kumail carries Each of these. I feel like any of these sketches could have been sunk without his performance. And here, uh, I don't know how much Portlandia you watch, Rich, but I feel like he plays a very similar type of character on Portlandia. He sort of Mm -hmm. plays this sort of across the board call center representative who is just very chipper, even when providing really bad news. And yeah, I, I like this idea on paper that this unfortunate POW comes back to this hotel to try to relax, and it turns out that that's its own sort of form of torture. If that's the premise, I kind of wish they went further with it. I like, you know, having Chris Red and Leslie. P.S. Hi, Chris Red. Nice to see you. Yeah. Uh, m- m- you know, come in and say, OK, you're going to be staying in the room next door to this arguing couple. OK, you're going to have a hostile massage, but it's at 515 a.m. You know, I feel like we could have done a- a couple more of those things maybe if we cut out the exposition in the beginning as you said we could have done that but I did also like again the hardest thing to do with the sketch sometimes is to end it I think there was a really fun capper at the end where he's talking up this Danny band in the stargazer <laughs> lounge and it turns out that he is the Danny in the Danny band
0: yes I thought that was a nice quick little visual uh, fun silly dumb thing and we get out I thought I, I thought in general they, they did a really nice job so yeah I thought it was I thought this was just a fun sketch and, and sort of as you you said sort of where we're going with this sort of run just a just nice fun sketches uh and then we get to our our next sketch is the nursing home where uh mikey day and uh heidi gardner hello heidi come to yes. see their grandmother kate mckinnon uh in the nursing home and we find out from the doctor played by kumail that grammy is having a lot of sex um again very silly i didn't it was like the premise was very clear i didn't know where this was going but i didn't mind the ride because i thought kumail was very funny and kate mckinnon was doing so much with so little they were clearly leaning on that and counting on that and luckily she's able to deliver it and i thought this was just really fun
1: Yeah, I didn't mind the rise, as I'm I'm sure one of the many quotes that some of Grammy's lovers had been saying (laughs) to her many escapades. Yeah, I mean, this is, as you said, sort of a tried and true trope, the horny old person. But two things sold it again. It was Kumail's performance as this sort of sly orderly. Specifically, I love the running bit of, you know, him saying, would it make you any better if I said no? And then Heidi would say yes. And he goes, I see Uh, I I love that that kept coming back and again great delivery on that but yeah this sketch was anchored by Kate McKinnon just cutting back she didn't need to say a word anything she did non verbally with her face with her body uh, there's a reason why they kept cutting back to her is because she really made this sketch what it was again I don't think it was a, a knock out of the park but it was an entertaining few minutes to watch because of her and him in particular. Yeah, I think we could have
0: lost the whole roses segment uh, towards the end because I think we had already built past once, you know, once she's had gonorrhea eight or nine times. We don't really care about the roses, but but real fun, real fun stuff. And I like that we didn't actually come out and have uh, Kumail's character say that he has had sex with Grammy, but it was very clear that that was the implication. I thought it was really fun.
1: Well, speaking of uh, weird oddball pairings, let's talk about the final sketch of the night here. This pre-tape about the Pakistani call center
0: this was my favorite sketch of the night i this reminded me of some of the great mike o'brien films from back mm. in the day uh that just dave mccary directed this it was by no means the funniest sketch but i thought it was just so well done and such an interesting story uh taking uh, you know a person in the media melania trump and sort of painting this wonderful bizarre picture um also i love the fact that we're having uh you you know, uh, Kumail again is playing a a um, a what can be a very stereotyped character, a Pakistani call service person, and yet he's very human. There's no sort of obvious sort of tropes that were are playing with him. Uh, I just found it really funny. I thought this was great.
1: Yeah, I know you mentioned Mike O'Brien before. This did remind me a lot of Sad Mouse, which I believe he was really in charge of back in uh, 2012 with Bruno Mars. This also reminded me a lot of uh, last year during Lin-Manuel Miranda's episode, Diego Calls Home. Uh, So it's these types of things that are really well-made products, but as you mentioned, they're not necessarily funny. I can admire it for it being, you know, a short film, and there are some fun moments in there, uh, especially, you know, taking Melania's character as sort of a part of the part of this pastiche if you will i like little artistic moments like Kamel's character appearing in the room as if he's sort of like watching her you have this weird sort of artistic moment with the spider in the box again this did not have me laughing i do appreciate it as a piece of art as weird as this is to say i thought it was an interesting way to end the night as well
0: yeah, I thought uh, very very strong. I love, as you said, I love the ending with the spider. I will say the uh, and and I will my my wife uh really said this and has said this before about Melania Trump. She uh is, gets a little political, but hates the sort of uh, painting of Melania as an innocent victim uh, as opposed to somebody who knows who she's married to and is sort of buying into whatever it is you think of our president. So uh, I know that rubs her the wrong way. I thought it was fair to at least say, but it, you know, again, taking the politics aside as a character i thought this was a very fun piece and what you should be doing at 11 uh, sorry at 12:40 uh, 51 a.m. uh you know just a nice odd crazy sort of short film that is not hilarious but is sort of a nice way to sort of say good night to the show
1: Speaking of saying good night to the show, uh, you have been teasing this for a while now. Talk to me about your theory, your thoughts about the good nights and in general, this uh, one straight thought you have about Pink's drummer.
0: Yes. So a, uh, a generally uh, very strong good nights. This was a very no moat good night. Uh, also very atypical after uh, after Kamal says the good nights and we break into the music. Uh, it was not Leslie Jones, but Kate McKinnon goes in for the first big hug and they have a long conversation, which was nice, uh, which I thought was fun. I uh, I will also say again, if you guys don't think I nailed it, I don't know what to say to you. There was no... A level cameo in the show to be in the good nights. So guess who was also not in the good nights, (laughs) Mr. Alec Baldwin. I see you. I know what's going on here. And then, boy, the guy who got around the bell of the ball, the guy who's uh, chatting with everyone from Kumail to, to Kate McKinnon to everyone was Pink's drummer. That guy, if you watch the extended, he is owning the room. He's chatting it up. And at first I was like, who's this guy? Why is this? And then I thought, you know what? Good for him. How often is he going to be on Saturday Night Live and get to stand at home base to say good night? Why not chat it up with everybody, including the guest host? I was just like, and he's a, a bit of an older gentleman, probably my age or in my age range. And I think he probably has that same like screw it. I'm just going to enjoy this because when am I going to be back here again? So overall, you know, also the whole cast knows they are now going to get a three week break or, you know, two full weeks off. So I think they can all sort of really relax during these good nights. But a very fun way to sort of uh, end the show.
1: Was Pink's drummer the Grammy of the band then at this point, considering how much he got around? (laughs) I think he got a lot
0: of roses at the end of this uh, at the end of the good nights. (laughs) yes yes
1: oh boy well as as we talked about this ends the three stringer of SNL season 43. We go on a a few week breaks and then we jump back with Larry David with musical guest Miley Cyrus. At first glance here, Rich, what are you thinking about this lineup we get first weekend in November?
0: You know, it's going to be interesting to see what Larry David does when there's no reason for him to do Bernie Sanders. Um, I would love to see what they do in a non Bernie Sanders episode, but I suspect the real question will be how do we show two-horned Bernie Sanders into a November 2017 episode. Um, Then again, Larry David is great. He's always great. Um, I wonder if we'll see a Kevin Roberts uh, um, uh, FBI training simulation redux. The Um, original
1: David S. Pumpkins, for those that don't remember.
0: Exactly. A Mikey Day special. Um, And I'm sure we will see Miley Cyrus in a sketch. We don't have Uh, you know, the great Vanessa Bayer to be Miley Cyrus in a sketch, but I suspect we'll get at least a cameo from her. I'm guessing probably no cameos that week.
1: Yeah, the thing about Miley is it's so interesting. I'm always interested when people who host SNL and even serve as host and musical guests then come back to the show and only serve as just a musical guest that being said i know miley is a coach on the voice this season i believe so i think her schedule might be a little more limited that she wouldn't be able to do it but considering that you know this is i think her fourth time on snl uh, she was the host the first time and the host and musical guest the past couple of times it's a little weird to see her take a step back it's also i believe from what i looked up she's done this every other year since 2011 so this seems like a semi-frequent occurrence i'm excited for larry david uh, i've been loving curb so far this season and the larry david episode from i think early 2016 is for my mark one of the better snl episodes oh yeah in th- the oh, recent time yeah. yes. so very you know i'm trying not to set my standards too high but considering not even from like just a performance perspective but from a writing perspective it felt like nearly every sketch that week was a knock out of the park so i'm really hopeful that they're going to be able to Channel this energy overall with 43. I've been enjoying it so far. I think this is, again, the episode that I've enjoyed the most, even if there were things that I wasn't too excited about. I overall thought it had a really nice energy to it. And there were really some fantastic moments and sketches in here. But I feel like they still have yet to really find their stride. Again, the first few episodes of the season are always going to be a little bit of, you know, stretching space, getting back into the routine. I'm hopeful that between this host and musical guest combination and the fact that they now have three shows under their belt and now they have two full weeks off, as you said, that they're going to come back rest and refresh and ready to absolutely kill for the fourth episode of this season.
0: Yeah, we'll probably do three in a row, probably the November 4th, 11th and 18th before we get our Thanksgiving break. They'll be back for three episodes. Mike and I will be back for three episodes, which we look forward to uh, doing again. And uh, that's it. Mike, anything you want to promote?
1: Uh, sure before we get to that did you have any thoughts and any it at the very beginning about this David S. Pumpkins animated special we won't get any SNL around Halloween but in two weeks I believe I think uh, October 28th there's going to be a David S. Pumpkins animated special to satiate our SNL
0: uh, appetites. oh uh, boy I I hope that I'm wrong but what makes David S. Pumpkins such a funny sketch is that no one can get their head around what the F it is what is who is David S. Pumpkins. Uh, I'm concerned that trying to turn this sketch into an actual thing. I mean, clearly we are going to lose what is funny about the original sketch. So the question is, can they create new comedy out of whole cloth? If anyone can do it, it's the SNL writers. But I do not see a path between where we are today and funny. But I am, I, I am hoping and I would love to be wrong.
1: Yeah, I mean, you bring up a good point. I think that's one of the reasons why a good amount of the SNL based movies end up kind of tanking is because I feel like that concept can work within a three to five minute sketch. It might not work over the course of a 90 to 120 minute movie uh, just because, you know, it's tough to really find new ways to work that premise, especially, as you said, with a really clear premise as people don't understand what David Pumpkins is it's tough to even maybe for a half an hour, try to build new material out of that. I mean, that being said, I'm sure you're going to be excited to hear Bobby Moynihan, maybe not be able to see him, but at least hear him in some capacity in something SNL related in the next couple of weeks. I'll be, I'll be excited to sort of, you know, we've got our before opinions. I'm assuming at the end of the Larry David episode, we'll sort of, talk about that as well to sort of get our afterthoughts as to whether it defied expectations or uh, completely met the bare minimum as we brought up
0: well you're absolutely I'm not looking forward to it but I'll absolutely be watching it for two reasons Bobby and Moynihan so I am with you on that yes
1: there's always a silver lining so make sure you don't miss a second even though Rich and I are done with October we'll be back in November as he said hopefully for a string of three more episodes make sure you're subscribed to our SNL feed we're not again on the main post show recaps feed go to post show recaps.com slash snl itunes to make sure you're subscribed to that and as always any sort of ratings reviews or overall feedback would be greatly appreciated we'd love to hear your thoughts on the episode your thoughts on any snl related news uh you know as rich said he brought up a question in the beginning i would love to hear from you west coasters especially who watch this show live but obviously not live like us east coasters if it makes a difference whether you watch it during prime time or during late night period uh be sure to let us know you can also reach out to us on social media. I am at a Mike Bloom type on Twitter. Rich is at RichTack. Again, you can also write comments on the postshowrecaps.com website as well. Speaking of Larry David, it's perfect synergy with our Curb Your Enthusiasm Post show recap, which is going on, recapping the new season with Rob and Akiva winnaker as well as recapping the new Star Trek season. I know Mr. Robot covers just started. The Game of Thrones rewatch is going strong. So even though SNL will be off for the next couple of weeks for the rest of the month on Post show recaps, there is oh so much content for you to enjoy in the meantime.
0: And I and I would love to just say for those of you who listen in the L.A. area, and I know that's not the majority of our audience, but I uh, as I have mentioned once or twice before, I co-host a live storytelling show the last Sunday of every month, Sunday afternoons in North Hollywood. Uh, Just uh, just ping me on social media and I will tell you all about it. It's called Brainstorm and it's a ton of fun. Love to have some of the fans join us if you are in my neck of the woods and so inclined.
1: Will the Danny band be joined to play you up after the storytelling?
0: Oh, my God, that would be the best thing ever. I'll see what I could set up.
1: (laughs) But they can only play at 515 a.m.
0: Right. Exactly. Exactly. In the lounge. We'll be performing in the lounge great so that's it thanks so much everyone for listening it was really fun thank you again mike it was really fun to talk this one through and uh let's see what happens with mr larry david we'll be uh, looking forward to uh connecting with the whole community again in november to download larry david and miley cyrus let's uh, do it again